and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. This morning, uh, it's not going to be a a normal preach in the sense where I go through the Bible and uh, I bring a word. I was preparing in the week, and I, I really felt this is actually something I've done before at Harvest and in evening meetings. So you might have heard my story already. Um, if you have, you get blessed to hear it twice. <laughs> um, double anointing for you. But uh, this morning, I, I want to share my testimony. It's a story of um, something that I've struggled with for about 12 years of my life, um, and how God supernaturally delivered me um, from anxiety. Um, I got diagnosed with anxiety, and on the same day, I got supernaturally delivered from that same anxiety. And I just want to share that story with you. And before I get into that, Revelations 19 verse 10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which means that anytime you hear a story or a testimony of something that Jesus has done, um, it says that that is the spirit of prophecy, which means that it carries a life force, uh, a prophetic life force, in order for it to happen again. So the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So Jesus has done something. It becomes a prophetic statement for something that he can do again. Um, And Revelation 12 verse 11 says, And they conquered the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Um, So testimony is a powerful, powerful thing um, that I believe we don't do enough within the church. And this morning, that's what I want to do. I want to share my testimony. Are you okay with that? Yes? Story time with Sean? It's good? Okay, uh, yeah, so this morning you put up the title to my talk. I want to I talk to you about uh, dealing with anxiety, dealing with anxiety. I just want to pray before we do anything. So, uh, thank you, Jesus, that uh, you're here. Lord, I thank you that as I just release this uh, testimony of what you've done for my life, God, that it's just going to release breakthrough into other people's lives, that they'll, they'll receive the same breakthrough that I received. For anyone who's struggling with any type of anxiety, Jesus. Thank you that your presence is here. We love you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Oh, man. Okay. So, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. Um, firstly, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean. We're part of the team here at Harvest. And um, I'll take you right back. When I was a kid, a young little boy, I, I remember being quite fearful. I remember having, uh, just being quite prone to fear. Um, do you guys remember the the TV program, The X-Files. Anyone remember The X-Files? Yes? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember walking, my parents were watching The X-Files on TV. I was a little boy walking through the lounge, and I heard the music. You guys know the music? It's creepy. And uh, I walked through the lounge, and I heard this music come on, and I'd obviously seen a little bit here and there, and just listening to the music alone, it invoked such fear in my life that I as a little boy, I put my hands on my ears, I ran to my room, hid under the bed, and just stayed there until I felt a bit better. Um, I was just really sensitive, and I, I believe like open to, just prone to fear. I remember being in sub B, uh, grade two, and sitting in my, my group, and just talking out of turn, just saying something. And my teacher kind of looked at me and said, Sean, why are you talking? You're talking out of turn. Go and minus 20 points for your group. And I just burst into tears as this little boy just it was too much for me I was just so sensitive um little kid just very sensitive 
And I remember one night my parents again were watching some sort of CSI type show on the TV. And I walked into the lounge and I, and I saw this, uh, it was like a, a murder scene. And it was quite gruesome. Somebody had been murdered and uh, the, camera, the camera panned up over this person and they, they flipped the body over. And um, you saw the front of the body and basically words had been stabbed into this person's chest. And I remember there was this little, must have been like five, six-year-old boy, and this fear almost jumped out of the TV and onto me. And I remember thinking, this is going to happen to me. And from that moment, I, I went to my bed, and I stopped sleeping on my back, and I decided I'm going to sleep on my side like this, like this, in order to protect my chest um, from any intruder who will come in and try uh, stab me. And I remember sleeping on this side, and if I did this, then it protects my chest, but also if somebody, an intruder has to come in, they would first have to take my arm and move it like this before they could stab me. So that's why I had to sleep like this. And um, I, I don't know if you know this, but if you sleep like this, terrible sleeping posture, problems will start to develop. So I think from about the age of six till I was about 10th grade, this is how I slept like every night. And... Um, so in about the 10th grade, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had this, this pain in my sternum, this pain in my chest. And uh, I went to my mom, and uh, I told my mom, Mom, I'm having this like, pain in my chest. It's woken me up. It's really sore. And she said, oh, it's okay. Just drink some water and walk it off. <laughs> That's my mom. She's great. I love her. <laughs> she's like, she's the type of mom you would come to her and say, oh, my mom, mom, my mom, my arm's been chopped off. She would say, here's a panada, walk it off, you know. Um, I love my mom. But in that moment, like in this, in this time of feeling this pain in my chest, uh, I remember just this crazy fear coming on to me. Like, what is this? I didn't know what it was. But it made me very, very fearful. And um, what happened was it developed into the struggle that I had in my sleep. As I was falling asleep, I would start to, uh, it sounds really hectic, but basically as I was falling asleep, I would, stop breathing. And uh, as I'm going to bed, I would stop and I would wake up and have to like gasp and catch my breath and try to uh, reorientate myself because I'd start to go into hot sweats and, and shakes. Um, it, it freaked me out. I was, I was petrified. And um, this happened for years and years and years. And it would happen three, four, five times a week. And it would go for like two to three hours at a time as I'm trying to fall asleep. So it would take me hours and hours to actually fall asleep because these episodes would just happen over and over again and I'd calm myself down and think I could go back to sleep and it would just happen again. See, normal people, when you put your head on your pillow and you go to sleep, you expect to sleep. With me, it was a bit different. Uh, I expected these crazy, I don't know what they were, episodes just to attack me. And I was so prone to fear. And in this time, I started to think the worst of situations. I started to think anything that could go wrong would go wrong. I developed a very fatalistic out outlook on life. I remember thinking, if I go around this corner, someone's going to stab me. Or if I, if I get, drive on this side of the road, a car's going to come out, it's going to T-bone me. Just these random, crazy thoughts would just come to my mind. And they weren't just small thoughts. They were like the worst. I would go from zero to 100, right? It, it instantly, just driving a car um, most people don't think that, that a car is going to come out of every single road and, and take them out. But that's where my thoughts were going, zero to a hundred like that, in just everyday normal situations of my life. 
And then what happened is the, these thoughts started to become a lot more elaborate. They started to become, um, yeah, just a lot bigger. I remember driving down the highway, and there was a truck driving on the opposite side of the highway, and I was fully convinced in my mind that this truck's axle was going to snap. The truck was going to veer off, hit a ditch, fly into the air, and smash me head on, and I was going to die. Fully convinced to the point where I was paralyzed in my car and I had to think, okay, how am I gonna get out of this? And I, I'm making plans in my brain, in my mind of how I'm gonna get out, how I'm gonna pull on MacGyver and like veer off to the side and be safe. These are the thoughts going through my head. I couldn't be in lifts. I was in, if I was in a lift, I was convinced this lift is gonna snap and I'm gonna fall to my death and I would have to stand in lifts. I would have to literally hold onto the rails just to stabilize myself. And this was constant. I'm telling, I'm telling you like 20, 30, sometimes 40 times a day, just constantly on my mind all the time. I thought the worst was going to happen. And this continued for many years until I, uh, me and my wife, we went over to the States. Um, we went over to BSSM in Redding, California. And we uh, did the school over there. And I remember, I actually don't know when it was. It was in first year or second year. I'm not too sure. But I had this thought as I was just walking around one day, and this random thought, out of the blue, just popped into my head, and the thought was this, I'm going to fall down, and I'm going to have a seizure. That was the thought. Crazy, irrational, wild thought. But it didn't stop. That thought, it came again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and it kept coming at me. Until it became a constant thought that was just thinking about it over and over and over again that I'm going to fall down and have a seizure at any moment. I'm going to fall down and have a seizure. And then it got to a point where it wasn't just a thought anymore. I, I started like entertaining these thoughts. I started um, playing out elaborate scenes in my mind of what could happen. I, I started thinking that I'm going to fall down and have a seizure. And then um, uh, I was going to be on the floor for like three minutes. Nobody would find me. And then all of a sudden, somebody would walk into the room and see me. And they would call the ambulance, but the ambulance would get stuck in traffic. And they would be later than they should. And they would arrive, and by then, I'd be dead. And uh, I'll be vulnerable with you. I had some like vivid pictures of Kelly, my wife, just over my deathbed, like crying and leaving her as a widow. Like some crazy thoughts just running through my mind constantly. I remember I couldn't be left alone in a room by myself. I just couldn't. I was convinced if I was alone in my room, I'm going to fall down, have a seizure. No one would find me for hours. And when they do, it's going to be too late. I would have been dead. And then what happened is it, it, it began to become more than thoughts. My thoughts literally became my destiny. What happened was I... I started thinking these thoughts. I started thinking, I'm going to fall down and have a seizure. Uh, the ambulance is going to miss, miss me. It's going to be too late, and I'm going to die. And I would start to work myself so much that I would start to have feelings. I literally would start to shake. My heart would palpitate. My head would literally shake like this, like crazy. I would think, oh, my gosh, I'm actually going to have a seizure. Like it, my, my thoughts, I can't explain it to you, they became my feelings, and I started to literally feel my thoughts. And... Um, Sleeping in this time, sleep for me became the worst. I remember being at Bethel and um, I, I would fall asleep and Kelly, my wife, is lying next to me and she's fast asleep and, and I'm falling asleep and 
while I'm falling asleep, I have these episodes and I stop breathing and I wake up and I'm, and I'm kind of frozen and paralyzed and I reach over to grab her, but quite, um, like quite quickly like that. And she would wake up in shock and, and scream. And this would happen like three, four times a night, like constantly throughout the week. Um, not fun for a wife, <laughs> trying to just get some sleep. Um, and I remember I... I remember in this time, I associated my bed with death. And, like, I don't know, like normal people, you just go to bed, you put your head on your pillow, and you go to sleep. I was convinced I was going to die lying in my bed. I remember this one night in my room, having this violent, violent attack on my chest. And uh, I, was, I was convinced I was going to die tonight. I knew it. I was going to go meet Jesus tonight. It was the scariest thing I've probably ever gone through. And I remember the, the night after that, Kelly just standing in the bathroom and saying, let's go to bed. And uh, I turned to her and I said, babe, I can't. I can't go to bed. Like, I feel, I, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And uh, I don't know how I even got, got through that. I don't know how I, I got to sleep. I don't know. I, I really don't. It was only because of God, but... Um, it was pretty wild. And after months and months of this, these thoughts, these feelings, um, probably manifested the worst when we were going on a missions trip in our second year to Jamaica. And we were in the airport, I think in Miami, and about to get on a plane, they literally opened the doors and we were talking amongst each other, some of the students, and I had this thought again, you're gonna fall down, you're gonna have a seizure. And this time it wasn't thoughts. I literally started falling down. And maybe about halfway down, I grabbed my friend Justin and I pulled on his arm. And he kind of caught me. And uh, in that moment, this crazy, intense, wild, dark fear, it, it jumped onto me. Something that I've never, ever felt fear like that in my life. It, it literally jumped onto me and it stuck. It stuck. See, the difference was in the past, I would have these, these thoughts and these feelings, but every time I would uh, have these sensations or try to grab out, they would go away. This time, it stuck. And I remember lying there, and I was shaking, and I was weak, and I was, I was so weak. I didn't know what to do, and they had to pick me up. And we were literally like, we can't turn back because everybody's literally getting onto the plane. And I freaked out because I'm like, i got to get on a plane feeling like this for two hours with no medical people in the plane. Like, I'm going to die. And uh, I don't know how they actually got me onto that plane. And I, they seated me at the back against a window. And I sat like this, like this, just staring out the window, thinking about nothing as hard as I could, just trying to think about nothing, just trying to get from Miami to Jamaica in two hours and not die in the process and pray and hope that Jamaica had good hospitals on the other side. <laughs> and they don't have good hospitals. <laughs> They got terrible hospitals, Sham. We did some ministry there. It's shocking. And uh, when I was in Jamaica on this missions trip, this, this fear that came upon me, all those feelings that I had before got magnified by 20, 30 times. I remember sitting in the bus driving uh, to go minister and the sensation coming on me and I literally, uh, I had to like hold myself. I had to grip onto something because it's almost a sensation like something was about to come upon me. That's what I felt. It's like something's about to come upon me, and I had to almost like brace myself for the impact. That's what it felt like. And uh, in Jamaica, we got to go to 
uh, one afternoon, we got to go down to the beach and just hang out and chill. And they had these massive floating devices. They were like all these mountains in the middle of the, the water. And you could swim out to them and play on them. And I remember me and my friend going out, climbing to the top, jumping off and uh, swimming back to the shore. And as I was swimming back to the shore, I heard this, this dark, um, weird voice in my mind, in my ears, probably louder than I've ever heard the voice of God. And it said this, it said, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to drown you. <laughs> and I swam, like I outswam Rick Nietling, like Chad Lacoste, like Michael Phelps, they had nothing on me. I made a beeline for that shore. And I, when I got off, I was so freaked out. I was like, what was that? That was crazy. Completely freaked me out. I remember airports, like I couldn't walk. You know those tunnels um, that you, you walk through in order to get onto the plane? Um, like those coverings that you walk through, like I would, I would be walking through this and I would see the horizon in front of me, but my feet felt like they were doing this. But I knew the ground was level, but my, I had these sensations like I was going up and down and I'm literally walking down those tunnels like this, on the side, holding myself up in order to just feel stable. I remember going to shopping malls. I, I couldn't get into shopping malls. It was just something about big, wide-open spaces and people. Same thing. In shopping malls, if you saw me, you would have thought I was, like, on drugs or something. I literally walked down the walls of shopping malls like this. Just holding myself up because it was all too much. I had these sensations, like this, this vertigo feeling in my head, like this spinning sensation, like I was going to fall down constantly. I remember being in Mexico on another missions trip and a whole bunch of the students just standing waiting to go across the border to Tijuana. And this big bus just pulled up next to us and it parked there. It was a big parking lot. And I was convinced that this bus had a bomb on it and it was going to blow up the students. <laughs> so brave old me, I started making my way away from the bus to the other side of all the students to like, not take the hit as badly. Like, I was convinced this is what was going to happen. And uh, in, in this time, like, I, I, went to, I went to many doctors. I remember in Reading, I, I had this episode. I, I couldn't breathe. It was freaking me out, like these shakes and these, these, these palpitations. And I went to the doctor, and he took bloods. And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to find out actually, like, what's going on here. A little bit of fear came in there because I'm like, what happens if it's something really serious? And I remember the doctor coming to me the next day, and he sat me down, and he's like, well, Sean, just looking at these, these graphs, these results, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. In fact, you're actually quite fit. It's like, oh, thank you, but <laughs> that's not what I want to hear. Like, tell me what's wrong with me. Like, in my body, I can feel something's wrong with me. Don't tell me nothing's wrong with me. I can feel it. And all this time in the back of my mind, I had this, this thought, this, uh, I guess it was a thought that, this knowing that these thoughts always came first, and then I had the feelings. I just knew that. It was kind of hard to tell to differentiate them because they were so, like, overlapped. But I always remember, I always had these thoughts first and then the feelings. And I always thought, maybe I'm just making it up. Anyway, during this time, my sleeping got worse. I remember I'd, uh, I couldn't, it just got worse and worse and worse, grabbing Kelly so many times. I'll be very vulnerable with you guys. I would go to the toilets, and uh, I would have my cell phone ready on speed dial. Because if something would have to happen, if I have to fall down and have a seizure, I could hit that speed dial as I fall, hit Kelly's number, and maybe she'll hear that something's wrong with Sean and call an ambulance. <laughs> Couldn't go to the toilet. <laughs> if I was in my room by myself, I was freaked out. I just thought I was going to die. 
I remember coming back from the States on the way back, we went to New York. And Kelly's dream was to go to New York. And I just wasn't present. I wasn't present. I just wanted to stay indoors for five days. I didn't want to go out. If you guys have been to New York, you'll know that the, the buildings are really, really tall. Like, this is how I was walking through the streets of New York because I had this vertigo sensation in my head. Like, literally, my, my world was spinning constantly. And something about the buildings looking up, I couldn't look higher than that because if I looked higher, my head, I would just fall over. I literally walked like this, like a madman through New York City, like this. While Kelly's walking next to me. It's crazy. And I want to say this. Through all of this time, all of these feelings, all of these thoughts, all of these sensations, I never opened up to anyone. Kelly didn't even know exactly fully was, what was going on. I just, I just told her, yeah, I'm feeling sick. I'm just feeling a bit tired. But she never knew the full extent of what was actually going on in my life. I just kept it to myself. I just thought I can get through this. And when we got back from the States, got back to South Africa, it got worse. My sleeping got worse. I don't know how it could get worse, but it got worse. Worse and worse. I remember we were watching a, a Trevor Noah show in Artscape, and I was right in the middle of the middle, and all of a sudden I'm watching the show, and this feeling comes on me. It's like I'm going to fall over and I'm going to have a seizure. And I got so freaked out and scared because by the time the ambulance would come in, they would have to get through, you know, when you go watch a show, the, the knees of the people are always so close to the chairs in front of them. I'm like, that's going to slow the medical people down. They're not going to get to me in time. I'm going to die. I, I'll be, okay, now I'm going to sound like a madman, but I'll be watching shows and I'll literally sometimes, I will sound like a madman. I literally have to like pinch and scratch myself to like, to snap myself out of it. It's crazy. If you saw me in the, the first service of worship, like, I was a wreck. Just thinking about where I was, and I'm like, unrecognizable oh, to where I am today and what God has done through me. And I remember one day just being at work, standing, we're all standing around chatting to each other, and I felt my, felt my body go weak. And I had the thought, I'm going to fall down and have a seizure. I'm standing there, and there's a counter behind me. They're all talking to each other. And as I fall down, I literally start to feel like I'm falling down. I fall back onto the counter, and as I'm going, I go like this. Ah! <laughs> and why I did that was because somebody would hear me, and if I fell down, they would, they would see and notice something's wrong with Sean, and they could call an ambulance sometimes. So I tried to call them to get attention as I was going down, but I didn't. And I kind of landed on the counter doing this. Ah! <laughs> my friend looks at me and he's like, did you just sit down and shout? And it was really embarrassing because I hadn't opened up to anyone. Like no one knew what was going on. So these really weird, embarrassing moments would happen. I'd be walking in public, same thing. And as I'm going, I would kind of make a noise and like reach out to someone. Incredibly embarrassing. People would look at me as they're going past, like what is wrong with this guy? I hadn't let anyone in. I hadn't, I hadn't told anyone. It was just me. I was stuck with this stuff. And uh, when I got back, I went to doctors. I went to so many doctors. They checked me out. They thought it was vertigo. They checked me out for that. They did a, a scan or an x-ray on my spine because they thought I had an extra bone in my neck that was making me feel like this. They did all of it. I, I remember going, they thought I was epileptic. And they, I went to the, the doctor and they put those um, nodes for brain scans on your head. That was, that was petrifying. I remember sitting there, and I was 25 years old, and, but in that moment, I was a scared little boy. As he put these things on my head, I was like, God, this is scary. Like, 
what happens if there's something really serious on the other side of this? I remember sitting there with the epileptic patients waiting for my results and hearing their stories of having like 40, 50 fits a day and they need full-time carers. I'm like, God, this is, this is mental. Is this going to be me? Like, is this going to be my life? And every single time the doctors would say the same thing to me. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And it irritated me because I knew it. I was like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Don't tell me there's nothing wrong with me. I can feel there's something wrong with me. This is not normal. And I got so over it. I remember at one point I put my hands up. I was like, screw the doctors. I'm not going to any more doctors. I'm not trusting any more doctors, doctors' bills. I'm going to just white knuckle this thing. Like through sheer willpower alone and with God, I'm going to push through this thing. And what happened was, one day I was with the same group of friends after work, sitting at a restaurant having a drink, and the sensation came on me, felt like I was going to have a seizure, and this time I was sitting down and it happened, and it never happened like that before, I was always standing up. This time I was sitting down and I felt weak, and I kind of started shaking and feeling like heart palpitations and going a bit crazy, and they all looked at me and they said, are you okay? And I was like, no, I just feel very weak, and... Like, I just don't feel good. They said, Sean, you need to go see a doctor. I was like, I do not want to see a doctor because I know what they're going to say. They're going to tell me, eh, you're okay. I didn't want to go, but there was something different this time. I was like, I, I feel like I need to go see a doctor. So I got in the car with Kelly. Uh, we made an appointment quickly and uh, got to this little medical, Medicross in the area we were living in. And this old doctor lady still convinced she was an angel. She, um, she sat down with me and she, she listened to my story and I, I told her my story, which I've told to so many doctors before, expecting to hear the same thing. I'm gonna take some tests. There's gonna be nothing wrong with you. And as I explained my situation and my story to her, she says this, she says, oh, well, that sounds a lot like anxiety. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, like, that can't be anxiety, like, I'm Sean, you know, like I associated anxiety with worry and I was, I'm super chilled Sean. If you know me, it takes a lot for stuff to actually get me. I'm, I'm very chilled. Stuff doesn't worry me. It's like, it cannot be anxiety. I'm not an anxious person. No, this is wrong. And she, she said to me, she said, well, if it's anxiety, I want you to take this pill, right? Put this pill under your tongue and after 20 seconds, if you start to feel normal, we'll know that it's anxiety. And I'm thinking... Firstly, like, what kind of pill is this? This is crazy. <laughs> it's like the Matrix. Um, and she gives me this pill, put it under my tongue, and I'm sitting there. And uh, after about 10 seconds or so, it's like instant peace just comes over. Normality. I just felt normal. I just felt so, so good. And this is what happened. The doctor's sitting there. She's talking to me. And she's, she said, how do you feel? I said, well, I feel normal. She says, yep. It's definitely anxiety. And as she said that, I heard a voice in my head say this. It's just anxiety. It's just anxiety. And as I heard that voice, anxiety supernaturally, in that moment, supernaturally lifted off me and it never came back into my life from that day on. I went home, I slept soundly from that night on. I'd walk through shopping malls and I would just walk through shopping malls. I would go down those tunnels. I remember going on a missions trip in Dubai. I got through one of those tunnels. I was a bit nervous after this happened, but I just walked through that tunnel. I dominated that tunnel. I just 
I was so normal and so at peace. It was incredible. And you see, what actually happened in that moment, this is what happened. In that moment was all the power that the enemy had over me, all the power was this. It was in the fear of the unknown. It was in the fear of the unknown. You see, I had given him that authority into my life to allow the anxiety in, but now that I knew what it was, it was broken. It wasn't so scary. You see, this is what anxiety does. Anxiety always masquerades itself as something much bigger than it actually is. Anxiety loves to sit in that place of what if. What if? What if it's this? What if I get those results back and it's this? What if my son, my daughter, out late at night by themselves in their car? What if? That's where anxiety loves to play. It's like anxiety's playground is in the what if zone. <laughs> but what had happened in that moment is uh, John 8 verse 32, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, what happened in that moment is the doctor told me one thing, it's anxiety. And in that moment, I heard the truth, and the truth was this, it's just anxiety. Because the truth is, anxiety is a defeated enemy on the cross. See, the truth is that it come into the light. All of a sudden, it wasn't so scary. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, man, it's cancer, it's epilepsy, it's, it's leukemia, whatever it is. I'm going from zero to 100 really quick, which is what anxiety loves to do. And what Jesus did is he came in and he turned the light on and he said, oh, no, 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 Sean, let me show you here. Boom, turn the light on. It's just anxiety. <laughs> And if you know what Jesus did on the cross, you would know that anxiety is a defeated enemy. What he's done on the cross is greater than anxiety. Jesus is greater than anxiety. That's the revelation that I had that supernaturally set me free. So powerful. It was so, so powerful. You see, what happens is, is this. People who uh, get delivered from anxiety, it can happen in two ways, right? It can happen like it happened to me, supernaturally. God comes in, takes it off me, and it's gone. Or it can happen by standing and resisting through the renewing of your mind. And I want to say to you, what happened to me is when it supernaturally lifted off of me, it didn't just go away. Those thoughts, those feelings, they still came back. But now, I knew what it was. It wasn't so scary. It's like the light had been turned on. So those thoughts and feelings came back. I would say, oh, it's just you, anxiety. I know who you are. I know what you're trying to do. I've been down that road. I don't want to go through it anymore. You don't belong to me. Cheers. Goodbye. You're not a part of my life anymore. The light had been switched on, and it was a revelation. It had absolutely changed my life. But I had to go through the process, and I still do, of standing and resisting every single day. So you can have the God breakthrough where God supernaturally takes it off of you, but you still got to stand and resist. Or you can have the other breakthrough, which is stand and resist. Either way, you got to stand and resist. And i got two scriptures I want to share quickly. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, if you could put it up, says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm sure you guys have heard that before. That, that scripture was a revelation to me in this time. Just that word, sound mind, discipline, that word there, it actually means this. It means a calling to soundness of mind, self-control, and moderation. So the revelation for me in that moment was this. God's not given me a spirit of fear. He's put a spirit of self-control, of sound-mindedness into me. Not just 
Spirit a calling to sound-mindedness. And what that calling is this. The calling is the enemy comes with thoughts and he tells you certain things. The calling is God's voice telling you something completely opposite. And he's saying, hey, in your spirit, in your very spirit that I've given you, there's a calling to live in sound-mindedness. Step into that, not what the enemy is saying at the moment. It was such a revelation to me that I already have it inside of me, that God has given me that spirit to walk in self, uh, sound mindedness. And the other scripture was this, Philippians 4, uh, 6 to 8. It says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. See, I love this verse. Like, if you're struggling with anxiety, like, get, just learn this. Like, just stay here. Philippians 4, 6 to 8, stay there. Paul says this, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. That's what he's saying. And you might say, okay, cool, thanks, Paul, for that, but uh, I still have these feelings. I'm still feeling anxious. You can tell me don't be anxious, but I still have these feelings. So how do we do it? He says this, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It has to happen in relationship with God. You have to let God into your process. I'm convinced if God wasn't with me through my process, I wouldn't be where I am today. Like, I love psychologists, and there's amazing psychologists in our church, but true breakthrough, true freedom is only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. If I didn't have God in that process, I don't know where I would be, where I would be today. So pull God into the process. It's with Him. And then when you do that in relationship with Him, through the spiritual warfare with God, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds. God will guard your mind. And then I love what Paul says. He says, okay, so if you, I've told you that, but if you don't get it, if you need like some practical steps, uh, if you're like a list person, you need lists to take off, this is what he says. Okay, do this then. Brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, of excellence, worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about those things. Because if you think about them enough, they'll start to become your destiny. That is what anxiety is. It always starts off as thoughts that come in as seeds that we entertain and they develop into something else. And you can look at it in reverse. Let's reverse this. So don't be anxious for anything. Uh, pull God into the process. Then he will guard your mind as you think about these things. That's what that verse says. And you can reverse it. You could say, if I start to think about these things constantly and not about negative things, not about anxious thoughts, if I think good thoughts, God will guard my mind and I'll be anxious for nothing. It's a really cool scripture, really practical. <laughs> Just going to close off here. Just want to say two things. You got to stand. And resist is the first one. 1 Peter 5 verse 9 says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. James 4 verse 7 says, resist the devil and he, he will flee from you. I want to say to you, if you're struggling with anxiety, 
It is a constant daily battle that you have to get in the word. You have to open yourself up to other people. Don't do it on your own. Do not do it on your own. I did it on my own. It petrified me. I'm very sure if I brought Kelly into the community, into the process, I wouldn't have to walk such a tough journey. Bring people into your process. Tell them your thoughts. Tell them what you're going through. Tell them what you're struggling with. It's so biblical to come into community and, and to confess our stuff and to open up and like bear one another's burdens. Don't keep it to yourself. And fight and resist every single day. I just want to pray for some people. Uh, I've, I've told my testimony many times and people have actually received breakthrough and anxiety. Quite a lot of people have come to me and told me that just listening to my testimony, they've received breakthrough. So I'd love to just pray for some people. So why don't we stand? I feel like the Lord just wants to do something just for a minute or two. Josh, if you don't mind playing. Thanks, bro. If you're at home, stand, sit, just get into a posture where you can receive. Um, why don't you close your eyes? Put your hands out if you're at home. Put your hands out in front of you. And if you're here this morning, or if you're watching, wherever you're watching, and you've got, maybe you don't know it, maybe you don't know that you have anxiety, but as you're listening to me, you can relate to some stuff. You can say, wow, that's similar. I struggle with the same stuff. My mind, I struggle to control my mind. These thoughts, they just come in. It's like a, just an open highway. They just run in and, and they take control of me. And I don't know how to control them. Maybe you're here and you know that you struggle with anxiety. If that's you, I would just love to pray over you where you're standing or watching at home. So you just put your hands in the air if that's you. If you want breakthrough this morning from anxiety, awesome. Just keep them up nice and high in the air. Thank you, Jesus. And um, if you don't have your hands up, everyone just keep your hands up nice and high if that's you. But if you don't have your hands up, I want you to focus on Jesus now. Just look to God. Just worship Him as Josh just plays. Look to Jesus. And for the rest, I'm just gonna pray a prayer of breakthrough over everyone here this morning. And my testimony will come your testimony. And my breakthrough will become your breakthrough. That the God of breakthrough will come into your life right now. So Lord, I just pray each and every person with their, their hands up, just calling on to you, just reaching out to you. Lord, I pray for the power of God and the peace of God to come into their minds right now, come into their spirits right now, Lord. And I just speak to any anxious thoughts and anxiety and we just command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I just release your peace, the peace of Jesus that was able to sleep in a boat when the, the storm was rocking the boat left, right and center and you feel like that's where you are right now in your life and things are just being knocked sideways by external forces and you're stuck in the middle, but Jesus was able to sleep peacefully in that same storm. And I just release that peace right now into these hearts, into these minds. And when you go from this place, something would have changed, something would have broken in your hearts, in your minds, that you won't have those anxious thoughts anymore. There's people here, you're struggling with tight chests. That's how it manifests. Your, your chest gets really tight. And you start to, you have breathing troubles. There's some other people here, I just see like a band stuck around your head. Like it's a really tight thing around your head. Lord, we just come against that right now and I just break the power of anxiety and just release your presence right now into bodies, into minds. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God, you are so powerful. Thank you, God, Jesus, you have overcome anxiety. It is a defeated enemy. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I declare each and every person here right now, it might not be supernatural, it might not happen in a moment, but they would understand that they need to resist the attacks of the enemy. If you come in thoughts, wild, irrational, crazy thoughts that are not your own, that they would recognize that is the enemy. Those are not my thoughts. Those are the enemy's thoughts. And they would turn him away constantly, day by day by day. And Lord, not just that, but you replace those thoughts with good thoughts, healthy thoughts, uplifting thoughts, thoughts of not what if the worst happens, but what if the best happens? What if Jesus comes through every time in my situation? What if heaven just breaks open in this moment? Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray specifically for people who are struggling with medical. Like, I feel like there's, I've got the same feeling in the morning, first meeting, there's people here, like you've got medical worries, like you're worried, you're in the same place as me. There's a lot of worry and fear about medical stuff. You feel like you've gone to doctors and there's something wrong. And uh, maybe you're waiting on a report. I'm not going to declare that uh, what the report is. I'm just going to declare that God is our healer, no matter what. And He always heals. But right now, I want to speak to the anxiety in that moment. And if that's you, just receive it. That you don't have to walk in anxiety. You can walk in peace, knowing that God is your healer, and He's your Father, and He is good. He is good that He loves you. So all anxiety, we just say, go right now in Jesus' name. Just go in Jesus' name. Clear minds, clear hearts through your presence, Jesus. Jesus' name, pray this, amen.